0: So many times, we still struggle under things that seem to control us. And this is why we are talking about this, because God wants to set us free from things that have become the boss of us. Things that have grown up from within us like small weeds, but they have become roots that, uh, that seems to be unmovable. Um, at the parsonage over the last couple of weeks, um, uh, we've uh, had to have uh, uh roto-rooter come out. Uh, because, and, and we've had this for a while. Um, because these, these roots have broken through the pipes. And even though we don't see them, and uh, uh, everything on the outside is great. Until you start running the shower and it just starts to back up. And uh, they would run it through and, and clean out the, the little roots. But this last time, they couldn't do it. The roots had gotten too big. And even the, the snake that they went through could not uh, break through. Until they had to come out and, and uh, open up the wall and go through a, a bigger pipe and get the, the, the big snake. And uh, uh, finally got through that root. I'm going to tell you, there are things that many times we let grow within us. And for a while, you know what? On our own, we can break through it. And we can deal with it. And it seems like we, we are not underneath the thumb of these things. But in the end, they have the last laugh. Because there will come a time when those things from within us, and it's, it's when you're not aware of it. They've gotten too big and there is, comes a time when you cannot handle it because sin will always grow bigger than you planned on letting it. It'll always take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll always cost you more than what you wanted to pay. Even while it was fun when you dealt with it, oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. But I'm to tell you, while you thought you could handle it, it was sitting back knowing that it was the boss of you. And so we have been looking at these things that we have got to begin to stand up and say, you're not the boss of me. But we are not the ones that decide that. The only way that we can say to these things within us is that you're not the boss of me is to have a bigger boss. We've got to bring out the big buster. The one that truly can overcome. And there's only one that can overcome. And it is Jesus, and it is the cross of Jesus, and today we're going to see that, and so we've been looking at things that have grown up within us. Um, we've talked, we're, we're looking at basically the major ones that we've looked at, first of all, guilt, that there's things in our life that even though many times we try and justify it, I'm not guilty, you know, we we kind of say, I didn't do that, we we don't consider it. but yet whether you think so or not, guilt is there. We are all guilty, we are all sinners. Um, we all go our own way, and that guilt has uh, definite consequences, and we talked about it becomes a burden. It becomes a weight upon us, and then there's guilt that we put on other people because they've hurt us, and even though it's, it's a hurt and a scar, what it really is is a guilt because we have assigned guilt to them, and they are guilty And we carry that with us. And again, we need Jesus to come and set us free from that guilt. Even if it's not our own guilt. Maybe it's someone else's guilt. And yet we carry it. And yet Jesus can set us free. And we talked about that that verse that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God wants to give us that freedom. Last uh, time we talked about envy. And we all deal with this, even uh, the person who thinks that I'm not envious, I'm not jealous of others," we deal with that self-centeredness, because all of us, we have things that we desire. And, and even uh, though we don't notice it, it, it affects how we treat other people. And we talked about this. We fall into this, this, uh, this comparison trap. And it either brings us into self. Uh, uh, Loathing, where I'm not good enough because we look around and everyone else is better. And even though we, we beat ourselves up, that really is an envy. Because we wish that we were better, but, but we begin to put that upon ourselves, um, and, and then otherwise, if we don't put that, that loathing upon ourselves, then it begins to push us that we just want more and more. Then we are always striving to match others and to get that and, and to, to get more and more. And yet, we talked about, we saw that God supplies all of our needs. That when we begin to seek first the kingdom of God, that all these other things are added to us, that God supplies more than what anyone else ever has. And so we need to break that comparison and begin to look to God for our supply, to begin to count our blessings, to begin to see the, all the promises and the things that God has given us and has planned for us. Today we're going to look at another one. And this one, actually, we, we talked about that many times this comes out of those first two. That if we don't deal with the guilt and if we don't deal with the envy and the, the greed and, and that within us, this becomes the outcome. Now, this can also happen outside of those two things, but uh, either way, we need to deal with it. Let me ask you this thing, and this is probably one of the, one of the ones that you recognize the most. How many here have ever been a victim of someone's road rage? Okay, a couple people. Maybe, you know, you've had people drive by you and just honk their horns at you and look at you or give you that nice salute with their finger. Salute you. You know, there was about maybe half of you, but let me ask you the other question. How many of you have been the perpetrators of road rage? Now, if you didn't all raise your hand, I'm going to tell you, You lied. Because whether you acted on it or not. See, now here's the problem. Because we define sometimes road rage as someone that pulls over and comes over and bangs on your window. That's not always road rage. Road rage uh, is just simply that thing that wells up within you. And you know what? You may smile and just wave. And yet you are just raging at that person. You have been right then a perpetrator of road rage. Because it is not always, like we've talked about all these things, we learn to sometimes filter our behavior, but just because we filter our behavior does not mean that within you it's not a cesspool of stagnant, nasty, yucky stuff of that rage that is within you. And uh, unfortunately, road rage, it is indicative that anger, this is what we're talking about today, if you haven't uh, anger. Now, some people, you think, oh, you know, anger's not a problem, and, and maybe anger's not a problem in every area, but maybe there's just one area of your life. See, some of these things only show up in very specific areas, but you know what? If it shows up in one area of your life, then it controls you. Um, it doesn't have to be in every area, uh, but anger uh, has a very insidious thing because anger as we know, can show up in, in different ways. It's not always the one that, that chews you out and goes into a fit, but how many know that uh, anger can be, uh, and we have great words for it now, passive aggressiveness, or, or, or we just stuff it down. You have those people that just never, um, uh, uh, and I know that um, uh, my grandma used to always tell me, me and your grandpa, we've never had a fight. We never fight. I'm like, you may not have fight, but you had to have been mad at each other. I know you were, and uh, I, I know he was probably mad at you. So I, mean, I don't know how you dealt with that, but for when we say we don't, a lot of times it's just, that's not a good thing that you never had a fight. It just means that you just stuffed it down so much that you didn't, but it affected you. And in other ways, it's gonna show up, and it's going to come out. And, and so, you know, um, and, and some of us, um, people on the outside, they know, even if you don't uh, uh, blow up or anything, you know what? You can have that mood or just that look in your eyes that they are just afraid. You know, it's just like, do not even come by me now. Um, uh, we all know that, right? Uh, then there's those that they just, and, and, and they just say, well, I'm just going to blow it up. You might as well just let off steam. No, because when you blow up and, and destroy and, and, and wound and hurt people, yeah, it's like, oh, I feel better now. I had to get off my chest. Yeah, you got it off your chest. You just put it on someone else and destroyed someone else. That is not the way to deal with anger. Then you have the issue. Uh, so either way we deal with it, we need to understand that anger, um, and here's, now here's the other thing that comes up. I don't deal with anger. I just get so frustrated with people. We get frustrated. Or I get annoyed. We can call it whatever we want. But it's this thing within us that it it controls us. And it makes us either do things that um, uh, uh, manipulate other people. Or lash out at other people. Or make other people pay for things. um, In ways that maybe they didn't even know that they're paying for. But we do it. So it manipulates us. We begin to be controlled by anger. And it becomes a weight. It becomes something that actually can, can cause physical damage. All of these things, the guilt, the envy, the, the anger, it damages us physically. I mean, not just ulcers. See, ulcers are not just caused by, by worry. But many worry is about anger or guilt, it's all of these things, and it, it causes, it causes strokes, it causes heart attacks, because anger um, uh, stresses the body out, all of these things, if we don't deal with them, they are controlling us, so how do we deal with anger, that's what we're going to look at today, so we're going to look at the book of James, in the book of James, starting in chapter 3. And we're really going to look at two questions. James asked two questions on how to deal with this. And and I think we need to begin to ask these questions of ourselves and begin to then take the action that he tells us. So let's look at the first question in James chapter 3, verse 13. And he says this Who is wise? And understanding among you. Are there anyone wise among you? Now he's not talking about some special learning or some special uh, education or, or is anyone smart enough? He's talking, come on people. Is there anyone that's willing to understand what's going on? You need to understand what's going on in this life and the way the world works. So he's not saying only certain people are. We all need to be that. What he's implying is, why are you not wising up? Okay, You need to wise up. Uh, who among us is wise and understand among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. If we are going to be people that understand what's going on, that understand what God to be, that understand who we are called to be, who understand um, uh, the blessings that God has for us, then we need to begin to walk in wisdom in our conduct um, uh, against uh, these things that try and boss us around. And it says that if we are going to walk in wisdom and understanding, then we are going to do that in the meekness of wisdom. So here's the thing. Wisdom to be a wise person, and the Bible talks about throughout the Bible, be a wise person. Because if you're not a wise person, there's only one option, then you're a fool, okay? You're the wise person that God's given, and he says it's nothing special. God will give you wisdom. Anyone that needs God gives wisdom. We can be simple people, but yet we can be wise. You don't have to be some highfalutin, specially educated person. God has given us the ability to simply understand and be wise, and if we choose not to be wise, then we become a fool. We are foolish, um, and we live as fools, so what is the, the, the defining factor of a wise person is this, meekness. The other word, the better word that we use is humility, so we need to start with this understanding. Humility uh, is wisdom. Humility is the very nature of God. Um, and, and we know that the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and as we fear God, there is a humbling factor. There is a humility, understanding that God is the source of all wisdom. And, and so as I humble myself, I walk in the meekness of wisdom. Um, as we deal with anger, this is gonna be the biggest thing. Um, to be wise and overcome it, it is going to be, it is going to be a process of humbling yourself. It is a process of learning humility. Is the only way that you are going to begin to get uh, victory over anger, over annoyances, over frustrations, um, uh, over these things that well up within you and work. So he says. And you see this connection here in verse 14. He goes on and says, But if you're not humble, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth, for this wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. In other words, if we choose not to humble ourselves, um, but we give in to bitterness, we give in to guilt, we give in to envy, we give in to anger. Um, he says you need to understand that you're not walking in wisdom, but you are walking in a uh, earthly, sensual, demonic way that you are the slave to these things. And we need to understand that. and they will ultimately destroy you. And so, God, so he's saying, so therefore, who is wise? You need to be willing uh, to, to wise up. Because if you don't, it says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, and, and these are the, what, comes, what the anger comes out of. We, we talked about the anger comes out of these things. Confusion and every evil thing are there. If we do not wise up and begin to humble ourselves, we are going to live in confusion and every evil thing. In other words, chaos, upset, worried. Everything is stressed out. The reason our world is stressed out is because we are living in a arrogant, proud, unwilling to humble ourselves world. But it says, but the wisdom that is from above, and notice all of these descriptions, they all kind of have the same thing. It is pure and peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. All of those seem to be the opposite of anger, right? If you look at this, pure and peaceable, okay, anger is not peaceable. Gentle, anger is not gentle. Willing to yield, anger is definitely not willing to yield, It is not full of mercy, in fact, you will pay, and it is not good fruits with partiality and hypocrisy. In fact, it is more hypocritical to be angry at someone than anything. You do realize that, that when you are angry, you are the biggest hypocrite that there is. Because if anything, there is always more reason for them to be angry at you. And people that say, oh, I don't have anything for them to be angry, you are the biggest hypocrite, or you are just a fool. You have not wised up because we don't realize who we are and what we are. So therefore, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So in other words, he's saying we need to deal with anger because if we're going to be wise... And understand how life works. How many, We want to understand how life works. I, I want to be a success in life. I want to begin to live a life where things work out. Uh, where I am not constantly stressed out because things don't work out. De- Remember, when we live in that, we need to stop and think, I'm not living by the nature of God. Because where those things are, all of the chaos exists. So therefore... We are, need to, we are going to sow it by people who make peace. I'm not going to live in anger. I'm going to live in peace. So therefore, here's the, here is the answer to the very first question. Who is wise among us? Who understands the way things work? Is the person who is willing to humble themselves. Because wisdom understands through humility. The only way you're going to understand how the world works is for you to humble yourself. It is only when we humble ourselves before God that he is able to show us how things work. And when we become wise and humble, we begin to see that that the past affects the present. And the things that we're doing now affect our future. Things don't just happen, right? Um, We get so angry and frustrated at how this happened. Well, you are the one that planted the seeds for what happened now. You know, the, the, the situation you are in now, are because of the steps that you took in the past. And with that being said, if we truly need to humble ourselves and take responsibility, humbling means taking responsibility. Instead of blaming others, you see, this is why humility defeats anger, because humility stops blaming others and stops blaming circumstances and begins to take responsibility. When we humble ourselves, you know what? Forgive me. God, show me what I can do. When you, I love the the verse, it says, as as much as possible with you, make peace. Find a way. Oh, but then I, you know what, give up your right, and and we're gonna get there, to blame them. Does not mean that they're not guilty, but you take care of what you can take care of and stop focusing on them. That's called humility. Humility. And when we do that, we begin to understand. God begins to show us that what I do now is going to affect my future five years. Where do I want to be tomorrow? Where do I want to be next year? Then I need to start now with my actions. If I just get angry at things being wrong now, you're just going to make it worse. You're never going to correct it. You're never going to move forward. We have to understand how God works through humility. So the first question, in dealing with our anger, and you know if there's anger in, in whatever form, are you willing to say, God, give me wisdom through humility? God, help me understand how to deal with this. Because we, we do not have the power to deal with our anger. How many have tried? I've tried before. And we just, we can stuff it down more, or we can go to therapy and try and get it out. But we cannot We need the wisdom of God. And that comes through humility, comes through the fear of God. Um, So, this is the first question. How many of you desire to be wise? How many of you are willing to say, I need wisdom? That's what James is asking us. Are you willing to admit that you don't have that wisdom? So, therefore, are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to take responsibility? So here's the second question, though. Um, We move into chapter 4. And he says this. Now he says, so now that we understand where the understanding and, and wisdom comes from, where do wars and fights come from among you? In other words, where's that anger, right? Wars and fights, that's the anger. The anger rises up and we have conflict. Where does that come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Okay, and we can say, yeah, yeah, I know where wars come from. You know, uh, uh, that person, they wanted something and they hurt me for it to get it. And, and therefore, I, I got mad and responded. But I want to look at a different, to give you a little bit better. It, it's the same question. Where do wars and fights come from? And we can all answer that, right? You probably have a reason. I'll tell you where our war came from. If they hadn't have done that, if they would have done what I told them, we would not have had this conflict. Do you ever tell your kids that if you would have just done what I told you, we would have been good? Here's how it is translated in the ESV. Same question, but it just gives a little bit different. I want you to notice this: What causes quarrels, and what causes fights among you? What causes? Now, no, we we want to say this. You got that wrong. It's not what causes, it's who causes, right? For us, it's who causes fights among you. But that's not what he asks. He says, no, you're wrong. It's not a who, it's a what. And the what is not out there, the what is in you. No, 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 the what is not, yeah, how many know, when I blow up, in, it's like, because you just, you know how to push my buttons, Right? We even we justify that because they just push my buttons. I, I'm almost not at fault anymore. Right? I even feel good about it. And it says, no, 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 no. You need to stop and ask yourself, where did that anger come from? It did not come from a who or something out there. It came from a what, and it came from a what inside you. It is not it. Is it not this that your now when we said it comes from passions that war, we it's other people, it says, is Not the wars and the quarrels and the fights and the anger. It's the passions that are in you. Is it not your passions that are at war within you? We need to think on that. He goes on and he says this. He says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Here's the key thing. Anger does not come from the outside. It does not come from what they did. That can be the spark. That can be... Uh, Like he said, the thing that pushed the button, but the button only starts the mechanism in you. Because here's what he's saying. Anger comes from not getting what you want. Here's the basic thing. All anger is petty self-centeredness. No, I'm not being petty. It's what they did. No, what they did was take away what you wanted. So it's not about what they did. It's the fact that you didn't get what you wanted. Now, what you want, could have been good. I'm not saying it's not good what you want, but it's all about what I want. And so he's saying all these wars and quarrels and angers, you need to understand that the source of them are your desires. Well, I just want what's good, and I'm just, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about this, it's a righteous anger. I'm, I'm you need to understand That when we respond in anger, and we are talking, do understand me, we do understand that there are two types, that there is a godly anger. But a godly anger does not result in scarring others, it does not result in in lashing out, it does not result in um, uh, uh, blaming and accusing and hating and condemning and judging A godly anger restores. A godly anger heals. A godly anger makes right. Now the source may be anger, but the response, so that's a totally different anger, and we know the difference. I think most of the time when we use that, we are twisting it to justify our own anger. But our anger, even if it's on a good thing, it comes from petty self-centeredness because we didn't get what we want. And yes, the other person could have been wrong. But we're going to get to this place. Then that's not our right to take care of that. Our response, we need to ask us, cannot be based on what we want. It cannot be based on my desires. Because when my desires, when my pleasures, when my uh, wants dictate my responses, anger will always be damaging. It will always cause damage. Even if it doesn't damage them, it damages us. Because if we stuff it down, we are damaging us. Our own anger begins to eat us up. And we begin to do it. So we need to understand that the source of anger, and this is the biggest switch in our mind, that anger is not what they did. And I know we're getting angry at them, and we use that term, I'm angry at them. But the anger... from you. Until we accept that, that anger comes from me, we can never cut the bonds of it being our boss. Because we blame. From the very beginning in the garden, when God said, What did you do? Adam said, Her. He said, Eve, what did you do? Snake. Right? At blame. It's always their problem. It's not. We, until we humble ourselves, right? Humble ourselves, understand the way things work. Because Just because you have been wronged does not give you the right to be angry. I mean, I can be wrong. Not, yes, you can be wrong. You can be, you can be maltreated. And in fact, this is the whole point that God wants for us. Out of it should come mercy and grace and love. And we know that because that is the very response that Jesus had. He goes on, in verse 6, he says this. So we see the, the cause of anger is within us, but it says, but, you are filled with the stuff that causes anger. You're messed up, and you need to be wise and understand that, but, and I love this, there's great buts in the Bible that he gives more grace. Even though he understands that you can't control those desires, you can, they are boss of you. Anger is the boss of you. Fear is the boss of you. Guilt is the boss of you. But God will step in for you. You see, it's not about being religious. It's not about doing that because you can't do enough. But God gives grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Again, we come back to this. If we just humble ourselves, admit it, and just fall and say, God, forgive me. God, I need your help. He gives grace. Therefore, here's the only thing we can do. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You don't do anything, and we've said this over and over again, you you just say, God, I need you to be my boss. Instead of me trying to change these things, I'm just going to say, God, you're my boss. I submit to you. I give my life to you. I'm not going to try and work it out anymore because I don't have the wisdom and understanding, but God, you do, so therefore I will submit and stop trying to fight a battle that you can't win. Here's another thing. It says, draw near to God, but yet are we in our efforts, are we we spending more efforts to try and fix the person that made us mad so that we don't get mad again instead of just drawing near to God? Get closer to God. Seek God. Begin to order your life in a way that you spend more time with God and you'll probably be, have less time to get angry at the other things. And yet, what are we prioritizing? Draw near to God and then he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Does it mean you got to walk around just being the saddest person? I'm not going to be angry because I'm the terrible person. No, what he's saying is begin to understand that you're the problem and just admit it and confess. That's what he's saying. Here He sums it up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Isn't that a great promise? If you just humble yourself before the Lord... He'll lift you up. He will lift you above your anger, even if people are hurting you, because you're never going to be able to change. Jesus put it this way. In this world, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have troubles. You cannot change the person that hurt you. You need to accept that and and begin to just say, in all this life, I'm going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. I'm going to draw near to the Lord, and he'll lift you up. And in doing so, he will actually give you the ability to love that person who hurts you, who constantly annoys you or frustrates you. He will give you the ability to understand how to maybe change some things in your life to where you can create actions that will eliminate some of those frustrations in your life. The wisdom of God will begin to lift you up and give you the ability to overcome anger. We respond to anger with humble submission. When things happen and go wrong in your life, instead of blowing up or instead of stuffing it down, are you willing to humbly submit to God? That means admitting it. That means coming to God and saying, God, this is really frustrating. God, I give you my frustration, but God, know what I'm dealing with and I understand it's me. And when you do that, when you humble, humbly submit to God, And begin to purposely draw near to. Sometimes it's it's recognizing God. You know what? I already know God. I haven't been spending time in prayer. God, forgive me. I and I need to and and begin to reinstitute that. I haven't been spending time in the Word. See, these are drawing near to God. How do you humbly submit? Begin to recognize where you have not been drawing near to God, and begin to submit again to that. You know what? I. You know, church becomes a secondary thing, and yet this is part of drawing near to God, together. We respond to anger. See, anger's there. Even the Bible says, "Be angry, but don't sin." In other words, when angry comes, anger comes. Humbly, submit to God. When someone hurts you, God how should I respond to this? God, maybe there's something going on in that person that I can't see, but God, you can, and so let the wisdom of God overshadow me, and so instead of me biting back and and responding that way, I'm gonna submit to God. Not that I'm not hurt, but I submit to God. How do we able to do that? Let me just remind you this, and this uh, in closing, and then we're going to celebrate communion Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 tells us this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to always remember Jesus. Turn our eyes to Jesus. Remember we talked about in, in our last series, uh, living in faith, the only way we have faith is to keep our eyes on Jesus. That when we are hurt, when we are broken, look to Jesus. When you are broken, Feeling like I can't hold this back. Look to Jesus. Have this mind that was in you that was in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was God. He is God. Um, Here's another way this is. uh, I love this uh, translation in the NIV this time. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He was God. But remember we said the source of anger is when you don't get what you want. He said he was God. But he even gave up the ability to get what he wanted. He did not use being God. To come down here and just. Overpower us. And get what he wants. He did not use his right to take advantage. Hmm. And yet, how many times do we do that? We need to look to Jesus and say, let me be like Jesus, who even though he was in the right, but he didn't use that right for his own advantage. Oh, and we Americans are the worst. That's why the rest of the world many times hates us, because we don't understand. You know, we're based on rights. I have this right. Until you humble yourself and give up your rights, you can never find freedom. The freedom that we think we fight for is something that we have become a slave to. We are a slave to those rights. And yet Jesus, though he was God, did not consider that to be something to use for his own advantage. But instead, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself. So he did what we did, and he felt anger, and he felt the same things because he became like us, and yet he showed us how to do it. He humbled himself and became obedient to God, even to the point of death, and even then the death of the cross. You see, when he was wronged, he could have got mad, but he humbled himself and obeyed God. God, is this your plan? He even asked God, God, if you can take this away, take it away, but but I will humble myself and submit to you. And he submitted to the cross. So when we get angry, how can we give in to anger when Jesus received all the things he took for us? Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. And I love this. The reason he was able to do this is because he knew who he was submitting to. We humble ourselves and submit to God. And the reason we can do that is because God is the most loving, caring person who will make everything right. So you don't have to worry about the other person was wrong. God will take care of it. In fact, Romans 12, 19, it says, beloved, never avenge yourself. Don't give in to anger. You don't need to, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God will take care of every wrong. That's why we don't have to be the slave of anger. We can humble ourselves before God and not even in a hateful way, okay God, I humbled you, just you just make them pay. And it can start that way, and that's okay because God will say, I, I will. And here's the thing. God did make them pay, and he did that on the cross, because the cross was the wrath of God that we want to give to everyone else. Every time you are angry at people that deserve it, every time you're angry at those things that you didn't get, and things weren't fair, and it didn't go your way, and it was just wrong, that anger we give to God, but God poured it out. But in his grace and mercy, here's what he did. He poured all that anger out on Jesus. And Jesus said, I will take the anger of the world. I will take the wrath of God. Because God is just and God took care of everything. And we need to understand that when the wrath of God was poured out on the cross, that gave us the ability to be free from the wrath of anger in our heart. The cross became a firebreak. It's like that that. that that keeps the fire from spreading because it has cleared away everything. There's no anger left. If we will look to Jesus, if we will submit to God, if we give our life to the cross of Jesus, then that begins to free us from all the things that hold us and try and control us. But it's only when we submit ourselves to God because of the cross and this is why we thank God for the cross. That all of the wrath of God was poured out so that we do not become consumed by the anger that grows within us. By the guilt that grows within us. By the envy that grows within us that, that begins to eat us up. The cross has spent the fury so that Nothing is left for us but grace and mercy and freedom. So we can say, when that anger starts to grow up, we can say, you are not the boss of me. But when we say that, you're not the boss of me, and when we begin to declare to those emotions within us, you're not the boss of me, you better be hiding behind the cross. We need to understand, it's until we humble ourselves. And submit to God. If you're not submitted to God, you know what? And you're trying to tell these things you're not the boss of me. They're going to laugh at you and tear you apart. It's like the man that tried to, they, they tried to cast out the demons. They said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know you. And it says that they tore them apart and sent them running naked from the house. We can say you're not the boss of me, but only as we hide behind the cross and the cross itself declares the victory that it truly is not the boss of us anymore. So today, do we want to be free from anger, frustration, annoyance, stress? Let's humble ourselves before the Lord, repent before God, and look to the cross, and glory in the cross. Amen.